Hey, Spencer, do you got time for a shitty book review? I I mean, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I... I well, I, you know what? No, 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 no. Don't say anything. I'm, I'm only doing this because we have our book club tomorrow, and we got this fine comic book crossover by Donnie Cates. Uh, it's an image title. From my understanding, I think everybody's going to like this book. Yeah. Uh, a few of our fellow book club members hit me up on Twitter to let me know that I'll love this book because mm. they like this book. I hated this book, Spencer. It's too comic booky. No, 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 no. It's not that at all, actually. I I will state that. And I'm only doing this here because I feel like at the book club, I'm probably not going to have much of a chance to give my critique because, uh, I don't know, lately at the book club's just been like, we talk about the book for 30 seconds mm. and then it's just nonsense. But one, I did really like the art. Yes. I thought the art was fantastic. I like all the page layouts. I loved all that stuff. This book, by the way, I guess I should give a brief synopsis. Uh, I'm not reading that. Should I read that? No, that's only a paragraph. After the event alters the world as we know it, Ellie, Otto, and Ava embark on a four, co- four color on a four color odyssey through magical Colorado. Mysterious and familiar superheroes join our intrepid team of heroes searching for a way to shatter the dome and expose the truth. That doesn't give you enough. <laughs> Essentially, comic books come to life through some kind of portal. So every kind of comic book, and from what I understood, just imaginary character that's been in media, like Godzilla and stuff. Uh, yeah, like you know, pop because pop you know, culture. Yeah, because you know, there's been guys with the books and stuff yeah. too. And so pretty much, they're all comics. Let's just say all comics. Uh, they come into the real world. And they're all fighting, and they cause terror over Denver, Colorado, and then. Uh, fancy Doctor Strange ripoff makes a big dome over the city, and uh, we're kind of safe. Uh, and then I'm not even going to the story because that's kind of generic. But like the premise is cool. But here's where it all falls apart for me. One, I absolutely hated the writing of this book. Oh yeah, I thought the writing was trash. Main thing that really took me out of it is the fucking dialogue. Oh yeah. I hated the dialogue because it's all this stilted, stuttering, like every character talks this way, where it's just like, oh, I, well, yeah, we need to just, you know, and they, they just never fucking finish their thought. Mm. And two, how many characters can say, oh, oh my God. Like, did you notice that like every other page, somebody was saying, oh, oh my God, or my God, fuck. Mm. Okay. If that's one guy doing that, I can get that, but not every fucking character. Right. Other gripe, I thought all the characters were not likable they were just cardboard generic character types like you had the stupid christian kid you had the generic hero girl that's kind of tough as nails with the mysterious backstory you had the the comic book guy the shop owner guy who was just like you know the sidekick or whatever and then you had the cute little girl and it's like ah okay so i did not like the characters my third gripe with this book is and maybe it's more creative if you are a fan of a lot of image books and know all these characters, but mainly the writer threw in a bunch of his characters from other works as yeah. the combat, which is a cool idea. I like yeah. that idea. But they mentioned Superman and he builds it up like it's gonna be Superman, and it's what Madman. I don't yeah. even know who the fuck that is. He's um he's an old uh, um Mike Allred. He's a huge like you've probably seen some of his art. He has a very kind of cartoony art. It's, mm. it's his uh, creator own character from years ago. It was a stupid looking character that should have not been compared to Superman, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, that'll give it that. But there was always, like, because each issue ends in a big reveal. There's always, like, this big reveal of some comic character or something. And I'm like, should I fucking know that person? It wasn't until the very end until we got, like, the Walking Dead zombies that were black mm. and white, which was cool. Uh, Hit Girl and uh, the guy from um, Black Hammer came in, I mm-hmm. think. Uh, like, some of that stuff was cool because that was a little more 
like I feel like people recognize those more. But like they brought up, oh, Godzilla, Superman, Batman. Like they bring up all these heroes, but then you can't see them because it's an image. You know, yeah. they, can't, they don't have licensing for Batman and Superman and the Marvel heroes. But that like that's fine. I get that. But like the main characters that are here to help save the day are this Danny Cates's fucking other title was it the Paybacks or something? Yeah, that's with like the like that's with like that Doctor Strange guy. But they're just like the- knockoffs of other characters. Is that is that the gimmick? Um, like the guys, like they even said, "Oh, it's Doctor Strange," yeah. and he's like, "No, it's not Doctor Strange. It's fucking Captain Black or whatever yeah. his fucking name is." Um, I have like the f- first volume of that because, like, as because, like, you know, I read this series in uh single issues. Yeah. Um, so like as the issues were coming out, I was grabbing some of these other some of his other books to you know because I you know they already kind of hinted at some things, so I was trying to get caught up on some of that, but I. I purchased it, but I've never got around to actually reading it yet. Just as a general comic fan, you're not, I, like me. I'd probably be more knowledgeable than some like, and just like a generic like or like a random person goes, "Oh, this looks like a cool title." Like I didn't get most of the references. Mm. I don't think. Uh, so I don't know if people would get it. The, it it's very inside baseball. Yeah, like the jokes too. They they felt like that, and just like it just didn't hit with me. Uh, this guy's fucking hair too. So stupid that Madman guy. Oh yeah, Frank or whatever the fuck they were calling him. And also he like he shoehorns his magic sword that I think is from one of his other titles yes, that yeah. I've never heard of. Uh, again, if you're a fan of this guy's work, I guess you would love this. But it just seems like uh, on a kind of a missed opportunity to at least have some more. Uh, popular characters be involved, but maybe he doesn't have licensing to use them. Like Hit Girl, maybe he could only like mm. bring her in, but he can't like actually use her. Well, that's where like um the fun um because you know we're always talking about this is one of the books we always talk about in the uh the uh comic book store podcast, uh, Pittsburgh Comics that I do with uh, the the owner there and some of the other pa- patrons there. Um, and a lot of time it's like it's the background things. Yeah, it's the things in the background or those characters where like. Hey, that kind of looks like Batman or Spider Man's hand coming out of yeah. those things and stuff like that. But um, I can't remember because in that there's like a big two, uh, like a double page spread of like a big fight scene, right? Yeah, and I one, looked through that and I only recognized a couple characters. So, uh, there's uh the Ninja Turtles are in the background. I have to show you that uh after we're done recording this. But yeah, I definitely I I enjoyed it a little bit more because. Like I said, the yeah, say some good things about the book. Cause like I um, said, I'm probably gonna be the outlier at the book club and not liking this. See, it's almost kind of like it's weird because it's almost kind of like the things that you don't like about it is what the things that I, you know, mm-hmm. that that I that I like about it. Um, maybe what it, it probably not a good like you said you don't like you didn't like the writing. This might have not have been the first book. You know, if you haven't read any uh, Donnie Cates stuff, yeah, maybe not the first book to to check out. See, but and I can't I can't judge because I didn't read them. But I was reading some reviews on this and stuff, and a lot of people uh, that didn't like this book were saying that his Marvel stuff was garbage too. Mm. So maybe it's just like if you're a fan of his writing style, that, yeah, or you're like you know like a, some very specific writers like a Haruki Murakami, you either like him or you, you don't. don't. Yeah. It's not really much of an in between. So maybe it's like that, but it was like his dialogue I didn't like. I don't think it ever explained who the narrator was of this, and it was like um, confusing at times. That's yeah, ongoing. That's kind of yeah. A so thing. it goes in the ne- but it's like I don't want to read the next one now. Um, and also, and this is just because I just we finished watching The Handmaid's Tale. Oh, uh, oh. Uh, the whole religious aspect at the beginning of this, and like 
it just it really pissed me off from the first issue. So I was like not in a good mood when mm. I kept went to the second issue. Uh, so th- like that had nothing to do with the writing or anything. You're supposed to not like those characters. Yeah, it's just like I don't fucking want more of this. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I had enough. I, I didn't. Uh, I I didn't care for the title, but I do like the art, and I like how the comic people uh, are, are dots. Yeah, the dot they're, like, they're like the old um, dot art. Yeah, the old school comic book art style. But there was like a couple, and I, we can end this on this. Uh, on this note, there was a couple things that I thought were I don't know if they're just like errors or just weren't thought out, but like he explains, and I think it was just a like so Scott Snyder does a like a quote or something on the cover here, um, like a review or something. So. He killed off comic creators in this, like comic mm-hmm. writers. He had people like, you know, it didn't go into details, a side story. He even says, I think, oh, this is like a side story. I don't know I'm bringing it up. Uh, but he, like a bunch of pop, he names a handful of popular comic, like the Walking Dead creator mm-hmm. and stuff, and talks about like them getting killed or they're missing because uh, people are killing them because they think it's their fault that this is happening. Couldn't, if they're comic writers, like, couldn't they just, like, write their way out of this and create, like, new superheroes that would get absorbed into that world to save the day? Oh, because I would think that anything that they created new wouldn't w- work would be in the dome. Yeah. The, you know, they probably wouldn't have made it through the dome. And then, too, I think a lot of this stuff happens without you, re- like, you know what uh-huh. I mean? They don't know that this is the thing that's, like, you know what I mean, killing the, um, Killing the, the the writers and stuff like yeah, because I, mean, I think at first it's just like oh like a tragic accident or you know you know like I don't think like they know that it's a comic book character that right. has came you know came to the real world to to do it. Um, there was a cool part in this about um, oh what the fuck was it now? I forget. Uh, and then like later on, like whenever he will uh. Uh, they do something more like with The Walking Dead in a later issue, and like Robert Kirkman like writes those couple pages. Uh-huh. So like, there's like cool things. Like I said, it's very it's very inside baseball a lot. So if you're not, you don't read Image Comics, or, or especially these specific writers. Yeah, you know, yeah. If you're not like a fan of these certain people or or, in, or into that kind of stuff, right. or just even into not like you know you're just like oh comic books are cool but you're not like into like the trenches of it you might not get the same of like oh that's cool i got that like the one bit of writing that's what i remember i was gonna say the one bit of writing that i did like were um he almost made a comparison to watchmen because he he it's pretty much the plot or the final end of Watchmen. He doesn't say Watchmen. He talks about a giant squid, like, yeah, getting teleported into the city or something or some alien. And, like, the whole world comes together to kill it, which is what pretty much Watchmen is. You know, a big disaster brings the world together. Uh, but then he turns it on his head by going, but in the real world, that's not what happened. We mm. just sent more bombs and yeah. killed everything. And So I thought that was kind of cool, but... uh I I have no interest in reading the second volume of this. Um, if that if there is one out now, you know, folks, I recommend checking it out if, if you know you're into that kind of stuff. I just didn't work for me, and you know, I'm not like a big superhero yeah. guy anyway. Let alone knock it, off it, superheroes I never heard of. It, it is kind of and it's also true. It's like one of those kind of it's like his like uh, his like love letter to like the medium and, mm. and and stuff like that. So like as you said, you're not a you know, you're not a big uh, capes and tights kind of guy. Yeah. So, but yeah. I do. I will say again, though, the art is fan. Oh, they got Spawn in here. Yeah. Uh, is he actually? I don't remember him in the comic though. Just in the the spot mm. or these uh, extra drawings at the end. But I did like the. I thought the art was fantastic, and some of the stuff he did was cool too. Oh, here's that big splash page you were talking about. 
Yes, yeah, I don't recognize most of these characters. You'll have to show me the Ninja Turtles. They should be up in the corner somewhere, like up in the sky. Oh, they're just sh- uh, silhouettes. Yeah. yeah. See, I mean, that's cool if you do that. You could do that with Superman, you know, just a silhouette or a Batman or something. Or do, well, I guess you can't even do the Batman logo because this fucking world's pooping. You get sued. But yeah, just like the art was really good. Like, that was my favorite thing about the whole book. And the illustrations and splash pages, uh, splash pages were amazing. And I was just, I was let down by the story. I didn't like the story or the writing, but that's just my own opinion. Uh, anyway, we are going to be talking about publishing, Spencer. Publishing trends. So stick hmm. around for that, folks. Uh, enjoy the sultry space music until then. No, you know, we've already did that bit a long time ago. I actually played a Paul Bear clip on that episode. Too, <laughs> yeah. He's like, welcome, Undertaker. I, I just like the voice. I don't know if I do it justice, but I like the Paul Bear's Undertaker. Why, we, why was he always talking like his tank was getting tickled? He did it because <laughs> he tried to make the Undertaker break on camera. Oh, is that why yeah, they, I read a thing about it later. Uh, you are listening to, not the Undertaker podcast. That would be cool. I, I'm going to be down with that. Uh, the Drunken Pen Writing Podcast, slightly more disappointing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm your host, Caleb James. With me today, Spencer, the Venetian Veggie Ventilator Church. Mm. You're ventilating veggies. That's a proper job because they'll get moldy if you don't oh, ventilate yeah. them. you got to have yeah. some airflow. So kudos to you. Venetian? That's just like Fancy? Cool. Yeah. It's like, what, what is Venetian? Is that like Greek? I'm gonna look that up. That that piqued my interest. I don't I, even know where I because I looked on the thing. I kept landing on Venezuela for some mm. reason. I think we've done that like four times. So there's not too many V names that I'm good with. No, Venetian. I know it's a street in or a town I thought it was public. like I almost thought it was like a um like a fabric or something. Maybe it is the Venetian Resort in Las Vegas. Ooh, fancy. But not what we're looking for. I'm pretty. I always thought it had something to do with ancient Greece. Or, I mean, probably. Oh, I fucking got stuck on Booking.com. No, <laughs> no way. I don't want to go there. You know what? We'll never find out this mystery. Yeah. Uh, but like I said in the cold open, uh, for those who listened to that whole thing, which if you skipped it, I don't blame you because we were just talking about comics. Eleven key publishing trends, Spencer. Oh. I just want to talk about some of the publishing because I was thinking about this earlier. Um, Ashley sent me a video about trying to get your book published and like the. The problems like new authors are having going, um, just get not even just getting agents, but like actually going to the publishing house, like they have the agents get them published because a bunch of editors resigned oh, yeah. over like the last year or two, like you know the great resignation or whatever they call it. Uh, so all these publishing houses are short a bunch of editors, and the books they are publishing they are not doing a thorough job because they can't. Mm-hmm. And two, like you think they're gonna go, you know, if Stephen King got a new book coming out. And they're having a hard time getting somebody to like edit that, put it together, yeah. and give all the feedback and stuff. You think they're gonna like go with Joe Schmo to, you know, get do a lot of work on his book? So like, what the message was, uh, if you're getting into trying to tr- get traditionally published right now, you want your book to be almost like, com- not pretty much complete. Like you wouldn't have to have a lot of work done to it, you know. It almost seems like more and more nowadays. What's the, the point of traditional publishing? Yeah, what do yeah. they do for you? They don't market yeah. for you anymore. And now if they're not going to do much editing for you, uh, all they're doing is the cover art and taking most of your money. Right. It's like, what's the fucking point of that? Uh, but anyway, that got me thinking, like, well, what's the actual trends? Because I, I don't keep up on that. And uh, 
this is not just for 2022. This is all the way up to 2024. Oh, yeah. uh, so I'm guessing they're projecting, you know, future trends too as well. Yeah, because both of us, we just kind of read what we want or what we like and yeah, don't really I mean, like. You and know. I read a lot of classic lit, so that's not that's yeah. not applicable to anything going on now. And then, uh, and when I do follow like the trends for indie stuff, it's mostly just like what kind of books are selling. Like mm-hmm. I'm not really paying attention to like the market and everything. So. Uh, I don't know how detailed this is off of uh, exploding topics. Mm. Mm. Um, I'm not. I don't know if I'm going to go into great detail on reading all this stuff because uh, it looks like there's a lot of information here. But I will go into some of these. Uh, number one, growing demand for audiobooks and ebooks. We've already, we talked about this before. We were both kind of taken back by how popular audiobooks are getting. Yeah, and a lot of indie authors, what they getting a lot of money if they have good voices like a Paulie Cooley mm. they do their own readings of their books we can't do that because we're terrible nobody no. wants to listen to us like I wouldn't want to one I wouldn't want to edit that but two like I just I, I think I would fuck it up like I wouldn't be a good well, voice also too because I, I also wonder how are they like are they just audiobooks in quotation are they just them reading their story you i know? feel like you have to go almost radio play yeah because like i'm like i've been listening to um recently for the past couple of years marvel has been putting out like these uh radio play like podcasts where they do yeah. like a like a 10 part story where they each like a half an hour and it's like this radio drama so like is it more that because i feel like if it's that then it's not an audiobook mm-hmm. right you know what I mean? Well, like, I don't know if you listened to it. I think I sent you a while ago. I listened to uh, I Have No Mouth and I Must Scream by uh, Harlan Ellison. He, Because uh, I've read that a couple of times. That's one of my favorite short stories. Fucking horrifying. Hmm. But I found an audio version that he read online. And it's ama- like so much better than reading it because you can like... He he sounds fucking crazy. Yeah. Like as he's doing the narrator and it's just like the madness comes across. And I've actually found this because uh, I've been doing a lot of research on Ulysses by James Joyce because that's like a very difficult book to read. But a lot of people are suggesting that you actually, while reading it, also listen to an audio version of it. And just kind of like follow kind of like as you're, as you're listening. Yeah, because the... Uh, the way, and I got that when I listened to that James Joyce uh, reading part part of a reading of Finnegan's Wake is his writing in those two works is supposed to be very lyrical and musical, and it's supposed to give you some kind of like a sense of emotion that you don't get if you're reading in your head. Mm-hmm, yeah, uh, you could like, and I, a lot of people said you could just read it out loud to yourself too. It just helped, like you know, if you get somebody with like the Irish inflection, it'd probably mm-hmm. be better. But uh, going back to like the radio things with the audiobooks, like. I'm talking about like you know music. Yeah, uh, I mean uh, background could, noises. You know, uh, like I was listening to some of the things that Andy Circus doing the um, Lord of the Rings sounded fucking amazing. Yeah. And now he could do all the voices because you know he's fucking amazing. But if you're just reading your own work, uh, especially like you know you think like okay you got a female voice like and you're just the guy reading it. I almost feel like it would be better to have like like a radio play like have actual actors do it, uh, which a lot of indie authors do. They hire uh, actors or have friends do the voices for them. Uh, I think that just that works out better. Um, be a more enjoyable listen, I think. Mm. But yeah, but like, like you know, it's a lot of time. It's like you know, say like the scenes taking place. These two guys are talking in a in a in a, in a diner. Now, as you're reading it, that's just they're having their conversation in the diner. But when you go to listen to it, like that, there's background. There's people. Yeah. You, you hear people talking, like mumble. You know, people talking. The immersion, like yeah. you want to be immersed in that world. Yeah, you know, uh, plates clanging together. You know, stuff like that. You well, know? like I told you, that Lord of the Rings. Uh, it was on. 
like I think in like Kickstarter or something where some guy created music to go along with each chapter that mm. you're reading and you can even change the pace of it so you know if you're a slow reader you can do oh, that. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and then that way when you're reading so say you go to the Prancing Pony pub like there's the music like an ambient like that'd be so fucking cool. Yeah. I think because I do listen to ambiance when I read a lot especially like denser literature cuz I need something to I can't just be focused on this word, 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 because like it'll drone, like um, or, like even like an Ernest Hemingway. Sometimes it just drones on, or like Russian literature is good for that. You read like a Dostoevsky, and you're like, wait, did I read that page? I fucking yeah. don't remember. Like some music will just help you be uh, ambiance, like just like clanking of glasses, and like somebody's in the pub, like okay, this makes the scene come alive. So that that would be really cool. Like that's something I would be down for, and I actually really want to read. Um, I mean, I want to listen to the audiobook version of Neil uh, Norm Macdonald's book. Oh my god! Because we both read it, but he reads the book, so I I bet you that's amazing. And I'm sure there's a, like extra added things oh, in there yeah. as he's doing. Like, oh, this reminds me of a time. Mm-hmm. Like, now I don't know if you are still on this side, but I think in the past we both poo pooed uh, people who say they read a book when they listen to a book. Like, it's not the same. Yeah. But while I still don't think it's the same, uh, I completely understand. Like, I, it's fine if you listen to. Well, books. yeah. I'm- it's just I find though that I just for me personally, I because like I just know with like podcasts and music I wander like yeah you know what I mean I be I can listen to a podcast and like I'll be like what did they just say for the last five minutes I completely spaced out and also when I listen to a book or a story, uh the visuals in my head are vastly different because like you said with the music and the clanking of glasses it's almost like watching a movie. Because, like, if Pulp Fiction came on the TV right now and neither of us were looking at it and we just heard it in the background, we could probably know, because we watched it. Oh, yeah. We would know the scenes unfolding. Like, oh, they're in the diner scene right now. Oh, you know, they're they're in the the gimp basement right now. Like, you would know the scenes just from the sound. So when I would, if I listened to an audiobook, I feel like I would be sitting there thinking, oh, yeah, it's a diner scene. I can picture all this stuff. And it's just not me picturing Mm. it anymore. It's like they're putting the picture in my head. Um, And then the e-book thing, like, that's been a rising trend i mean and that's no surprise that's just probably as with each more cost effective and just easier to have like uh digital copies of books versus physical and plus like uh kindle unlimited a lot of people do that and Mm -hmm. they just get so many books so it's i understand that and again like if um the guy even said like if i was ever going to read any like of the bigger stephen king books again I'm going to just double down or double dip and just buy it on my Kindle. Yeah. Other than pulling off the thousand page uh, stand. Well, like that off. thing, like I got all his work up to uh, like 2017 or 18 or whenever I bought that or something. I got every ebook. It was 40 yeah. bucks for all of them, everything. Yeah, all I would short have done, stories. And, I would have done that if I, yeah. And it makes reading it so much easier. Uh, number two, more book summary platforms emerge. Uh, so think of like Blinkist. Um, they have some other ones here. Mentor Box. See that though, like, well, I, I think can't... about if you're like a university student and, uh, say you had to read War yeah. and Peace for a class, and you're just not getting it the way you should. I feel like that because I honestly, is I, that what it's supposed to do? Is it like explaining it to you? Is that what it is? It just like breaks it down. I'll see if they so blink. Oh no, this is uh, yeah, that's what that is. Honestly, <clears throat> because it almost sounded like it was like different platforms to get your stuff from. No, it summarizes books into audio and text summaries that they call blinks. That's blinkist. Mm. 
I think it'd be like cliff notes almost. Like it just like it breaks uh, the book down into just like the main. This is what happens. This is what happens. Uh, and I find when I read challenging fiction, I do watch a lot. Like when we did Blood Meridian stuff, I watch mm-hmm. a lot of documentaries, videos, essay. I read essays, like things that are related and to the work. Other people's reviews. Yeah, like I just want to fully understand what I read. And Blood Meridian is a perfect example. It's such a dense, complex book. It's really hard to see exactly what's going on. Moby Dick's another one because there's so many allegories to fucking everything. It's just like, oh, I completely missed all this stuff. You know, you just get the, oh, man, trying to get a whale, but there's a lot more to it than that. Number three, political books remain popular. I don't know. I don't know why people read political books. Like, oh, Barack Obama's new memoir. It's like, do you give a fuck? Yeah. Was it, is that what they mean by that, or do they mean, like, fiction with, like, a political... No, nah, I'm pretty sure it's just nonfiction, but I'll look deeper. Uh... Books in the political genre have been immensely popular. Yeah, the first example. Former President Barack Obama's third book, A Promised Land, sold 3.3 million copies. That's what I'm saying. See, what I would want to read, I would want to read Obama's fiction. Like, I want to know what kind of story that guy can spin. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I want to read, like, some fiction work from that guy. You know what I would like to read from any of these people if I was to read a political book? It'd be Barack Obama's, like you said, fiction, but, like, Norm MacDonald style. Yeah. Based on a true story, or not based on true, I forget the name. Um, not on a base... But not no, not a memoir or not a no. That's what the tagline was: not a memoir. But um, he always it's like his whole life, but pretty much like Hunter S. Thompson, exaggerated and fictionalized. Yes, and more and more fictionalized as you get through. Yeah, like the whole prison scene. <laughs> <and> like, <laughs> it's just such a great book. I think people who read that stuff just are people looking to be mad. Yeah, or just to have their like biases confirmed. Or to just have that sit on their table and be like, yeah, I, I'm reading that. Look how cool and fancy and smart I am. I've never been into political fiction or, or political fiction, just political books, but especially political fiction. Uh, number four, this this is sad, but we we talked about this too before. Small bookstores continue to dwindle. Yep. Uh, yep. Even Barnes & Nobles are doing uh, Yeah, well, oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm actually surprised because how long that they're even – because remember in high school – like even when we were in high school, the uh, what was the other one that was, what was Borders? It? Borders, yeah, Borders went out, and then Books a Million. Uh, there's a couple of them, but I yeah. don't even know if there's any in Pennsylvania, at least on this side. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, because I think the closest one to us is in West Virginia. The most bookstores I've seen anywhere is when I was in Maine. Oh uh, yeah, in Bangor there was fucking million bookstores, but like around here, like you go to Pittsburgh, there's more, but not not enough. And I always find, like, those ones are, like, almost kind of, like, hard to find. Like, you yeah. wouldn't, like, if you did walk by a lot of them, I don't think you'd know that they would be a bookstore. And a lot of them have also succumbed to selling, like, records and, you know, Funko Pops and just, like, random garbage and toys. Like, even Barnes & Noble, you go in there, half the store is just garbage yeah. stuff. There's a whole kid section. Yeah. Number five. <coughs> I'm losing my voice. Number five. This one's kind of sad. Libraries at odds with publishers. Uh, so as demand grows for digital media, libraries and publishers are locked in a duel. And I remember hearing something about this because it's, I, f- I forget exactly how libraries work, but I think they, I don't know if they get a break, but you know, they buy a certain amount of books from publishers or whatever. And then that's what they have in their car. Co- it could probably cost more to buy a book than they, you know, because they just keep reusing it. So people can read it for free. Yeah. Uh, so I'm sure they have some kind of base amount that they buy off of publishers. But digital is completely different because you can do 
Uh, like even our library, you can rent books digitally. Uh, which yeah, I, no, I I I seen stuff about. It. I've never like. I it's just like checking out a book, works. but it's a digital book, and then you have a certain amount of time, and then I think it just goes back. But mm. um, <clears throat> a lot of uh, publishers now they don't want to do that. Like you don't want to work with libraries. It's probably a pain in the ass, but uh, you know, just like I fucking I don't know anything how ebooks work like that, but. Libraries advocate for the free flow of information, but many publishing companies are worried about library checkouts cutting into the revenue. Publishers always hated libraries, right? I would, yeah, just because as you <laughs> yeah. were just saying, they can run a book out multiple times to multiple people for free, you know, and they're not getting. Mm-hmm. It's almost kind of like they would probably, if they could, they would probably put a stop to people borrowing other people's books, like you know, because yeah. like if I let you borrow a book that you, that I have that you want to read. But I let you borrow it and you read it. You read it for free. It's like password sharing with Netflix yeah. and stuff. They want to do away with that. They're charging up to libraries have been paying on average forty five dollars per ebook. Oh, that's crazy. But they only allow them one copy, like each library. One digital copy. Well, I noticed a few times I tried to rent out a uh, ebook, like a one that was hard to find. It was like they only had one copy and I couldn't get it. Of an ebook. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> how could you only have one copy of something that's digital? Right, that's what I'm saying. And how has nobody fucking made it like been able to like rip that off of something and just you know make a workaround around that? I don't have no idea. I think it's just because most people uh, don't read anyway. That's fair. Yeah. Put in the work. Number six, tech becomes a competitive advantage. Uh, this just goes more into the technology side and the ease of publishing and all that number seven self-publishing numbers keep climbing number eight publishing giants consolidate yeah i've been seeing i'm definitely losing my voice fuck yeah there's um been definitely like different publishing more publishing houses like coming together and merging together because they can't like survive on their own Mm -hmm. which makes sense i mean what are they supposed to do uh, number nine, independent publishers make gains. Uh, that's interesting. So indie publishers, um, you think the pandemic would have put a big hurt on them, but where they're actually getting a lot of their money, I think, is shipping. Mm, oh yeah. Um, and I'm talking about like first editions and you know hard to get book, rare books. Like Caliban does in uh, Pittsburgh. Caliban, Caliban. Caliban. They uh do a lot of rare books. Um, we even uh, half price books when we go there. Like I think a lot of their business are those uh interesting titles they get from like yesteryear you know mm-hmm. like the old books number 10 increased calls for diversity here's here's the tricky thing is it that people want to read more diverse fiction or is Are it they, just it's a trend that uh that they're pandering to yeah like i don't know i mean people want more diverse fiction but to the degree that these big like conglomerates are doing i don't know if it's genuine uh we talked about that before too Number 11, authors go all in with digital marketing. Uh, you don't really have a choice because what are you going to do? Go do book signings? Like, or like you put up like like fly, fryers on uh, yeah. flyers on uh, um, Telephone poles. poles and stuff like that. Yeah, there's really no other way to do it. Yeah. You can also come to the Drunken Pen podcast and hawk your book if you want. Yeah, you can do that. Uh, reach out to us. We'll, we might have you on the air. Why not? We've done it before. Fucking yeah. Uh, and that's all they had for now. So nothing there was really surprising, actually. Um, I guess I'm more in the know than I thought. I do... Uh, See, I was thinking they was going to go into like more of like 
this genre, like yeah, you know, that's what like, I was thinking. Like you know, like vampires were popular, but this is gonna be the big thing now, or like you know that kind of stuff. Um, oh my god, it's Venetian. Venetian. Here, let me check out current genre trends. Because I think that would be the the more interesting. It I would say just off the top of my head, uh, the diversity thing it was probably gonna be high on there. These are all just generic fantasy, science fiction, dystopian adventure. So yeah. Same as same as it always is. Yeah, uh, romance is probably on top. That always weirds me out. It's like romance, not weirds me out, but it's like always surprises me that romance is always like the top dog, because I it's one of those things like you don't know too many people who like talk about them reading romance stuff. Well, what I think it is, and this could be you know a little bit of generality, but you know, m- typically more women read, read than men do and not saying that all that all women read and the only thing that they read are like <laughs> romance novels but and then also too it's true like, crime <coughs> true crime or it's like also like you know like daniel still like i'm sure not all those are actually romance novels yeah. but i'm sure a lot of them get categorized as that just because, because like the author yeah you know so well, maybe next episode, or at least for the cold open, we can check more into the genre trends and uh, more specifically, like you said, I want to see if, like vampire books or you know well, the market because well, I don't really know because a lot of people uh, bet their money on pandemic fiction, mm. and I don't think anybody wants to read pandemic fiction. No, they don't. They want to read the opposite. They don't want anything to do with pandemic stuff. So, like I saw a lot of those books kind of flounder. And uh, what I think, like. Um uh, what it probably is going to be is it's going to be a lot of not necessarily genre. It's going to be like genre within genre. Like, you know sub-genre. what I mean? Yeah, sub, sub-genre. Yes. I think that's where it gets, you, you know, a you lot of anti-capitalist of stuff has been popular lately. Uh, and anti-government stuff, which I yeah. like. Yeah. Both of those uh, genres. Uh, so anyway, folks, before I completely lose my voice, uh, this has been another Drunk Bit Radio podcast out. I'm trying to do like Jocko out, out. Uh, you could check out our work at Pussy Drunk- Out. <laughs> Whoa, we had to throw the hard P in there. Uh, you could check out our work at drunkenpenwriting.com. Oh, I drunk a pussy writing. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think we have any new fiction on there this week, but you know, we get stuff. Uh, you could check us out at Twitter at drunkenpenwriting, Instagram, Facebook, where you go on Instagram. At Drunken Pen Writing, you can see my fancy cat shirt from our uh, wine tasting episode. Mm, that's a fancy shirt. Uh, people seem to like the wine tasting episode, so that's good. Oh, that's cool. I forget what was the top thing. Did I? I didn't. You didn't listen to that, did you? To know. Well, no. I, I'm gonna play something. When we get <laughs> okay. Uh, so anyway, thank you for listening, and hopefully next uh, week my voice is a little better. See ya. Bye.